interaction that I had with my mom at the very end, near the end of the book, um, uh, reached out to her after having this moment with my sons and first time we had ever had this deep conversation. We talked for three and a half hours. Uh, first time I heard about my uncle's life. First time I, I heard about the actual incident of his death. First time I seen my mom cry in my entire life. Um, really powerful moment. And that, that all came, you know, not from me being a hero, not from me being fine, yeah. but me just being honest about how not fine I am. I'm, I'm not, I'm not in a good place. Um, and as a result of admitting I was in a good, was not in a good place, it actually led me to like some deep connections that I had been missing. Welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you've joined us. Today's guest is Devin Sanderford. Uh, Devin is a program manager at The Moth. Um, I don't know if you know about The Moth, but let me tell you how I learned about not only Devin, but a little story about how I learned about The Moth. Uh, the Moth is a storytelling radio show that I first started listening to. I mean, they do way more than just a radio show. They have storytelling around the world. Um, but I was listening to The Moth one Saturday night in my local affiliate station, KQED, and I was uh, in front of the gym. And I was uh, about to go work out and I got there and it was late. You know, the, the show, show, I think it's about 10, 11 o'clock at night on Saturdays. And I was like, nah, I don't really want to go in the gym. Like I was, I was, I was, I drove there, I parked, I turned the car off and I was like, do I really want to go in? I can just wait till tomorrow. It's already late at night. I was already, I was talking myself out of it. And I just turned on the moth, right? I turned on the radio show, right? And Devin was telling his story. And not only did his story um, inspire me um, to, to reach out to him, but my it also inspired me to get out of the car and go in the gym. Um, but even more so than that, um, storytelling is powerful. And what Devin has done with his story about his uncle um, is share a powerful family story that is about healing. And about the journey of finding things that happen in our lives and how they pass down, maybe from generation to generation, but also the patterns that we play and the patterns that we find ourselves falling into. I really hope you enjoy hearing about Devin's story. And we connect on lots of things, especially around these masks. Um, as Devin is a storyteller, um, he resonates a lot with not only the story about his uncle, but also the story about loss and grieving. Thank you for being a part of our movement. If you want to make a mask, you can go to 100kmasks.com and you can share your own mask anonymously. Devin and I share our mask here publicly, but we invite you and people you know to share their masks anonymously. And maybe you will be able one day to tell your own story, to share your story with someone. That's what we hope. This work will inspire you to do. You know, you're going to notice some sound differences. Maybe you notice some differences in my voice right now. I think I'm losing my voice or it's finally coming back. But my voice has been having some uh, excitement over the last couple of days. So just know that maybe it's not your speakers, but it's uh, definitely the, the season. And um, 
We're making work. We're making it work. You notice the difference between the first half of the conversation and the second half um, because there was a mic change that happened in the middle. But just know that uh, we'll we'll get better at that part, and we will uh, uh, make sure not to create confusion in the future. Um, but I think the storytelling in this conversation will um, be much more important than the, the the audio quality you hear. I think you're going to hear our voices well. You're going to hear the stories well. And what a deep connection um, I was able to make with Devin during this conversation. We look forward to more of our young men coming on here and telling their story and finding their voice in the things that we um, go through on a daily basis. Thank you for being a part of the Taking Off the Mask podcast. Please like and share and subscribe if you're not already. And we hope you enjoyed today's episode. Welcome to the Taking Off the Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you joined us. Today's guest is Devin Sanderford. And um, Devin's going to introduce himself, but I am super excited to be in this conversation. We actually had a conversation before the conversation that I'm already fired up about. And so thank you for being here with us today, Devin. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, Ashanti. Before I before I even introduce myself, I just want to say, like, uh, you know, an honest, heartfelt thank you for reaching out. Um, when you reached out to me, it was a very special moment because I had been, you know, always searching for more men who have the ability to uh, take off the mask and to feel and to always be in these spaces where I don't feel like I have to like perform. So uh, I really appreciate you um, reaching out and finding me. Well, ironically, I, I learned about you while you were performing and amazing performance I got to hear on The Moth. And will you just tell folks about you? And um, I don't want to tell your story, but if you tell folks about you, who you are, what what you're up to, and then um, we'll jump in. But I'm, I'm so glad to have you here. Yeah, absolutely. I'm a, My name is Devin Sandiford. I'm a storyteller. I'm a writer. I'm program manager for The Moth. Uh, I have a, um, a really connected story to why I started telling stories. For a long time, I I'd never shared stories with anybody. Nobody in my family was really about sharing personal stories. Um, and I had just kind of carried that with me my whole life. From when I was six years old, my mom's youngest brother was shot and killed by the police in the front yard of our, our home. And um, nobody in my family talked about that. And I, I carried that silence with me everywhere I went until I really started to see the ways in which Really, when I started to have my, when me and my wife had our sons, I saw the ways in which my silence was impacting them. And from that moment, it's honestly been like, oh, one person after another, it's been impacting. It's been impacting me. It's been impacting my wife. It's been impacting uh, women of color. And uh, so it's just been one moment after another of realizing how much silence hurts. And so I've been really trying recently to, you know, get myself out of silence and being able to talk about the things in my life um, openly and honestly. And that's kind of brought me around to writing and storytelling and then also going back into the community to try and find people like me um, who may be looking for just a little bit of a nudge to to open up. Mm. Speaking of open up, I, I think um, you told the story about your uncle and I, um, you know, I, I was raised by my mom. My father died before I was born and my favorite, you know, I hate to say favorite because family members be tripping, you know, but my, my, <laughs> my uncle in Arkansas was like my my dude. Right. Like I didn't see him often. I only saw him whenever, if ever we got to go to Arkansas or if he came here. But he really was a big part of my life, you know, and so when I heard you like um, he passed in 2019 
Mm -hmm. Um, and I have not talked about it much. I think it was when I went to the, I went to Arkansas for the funeral, but I, I was holding space for my mom and for my, you know, I was trying to hold space for everybody else. Right. Like, yeah, this is, this is the uncle who was like the rock and right. And so I needed, I felt the need to like take on that role of the rock. But I remember just being at the, at the funeral home and like seeing my grandmother break down, seeing my mom break down. I was like, what? Like I was just, I had to run outside. I ran outside. I was like, like I'm trying to hold mm. it together. Yeah. But I lost it. I lost it. And look, I just, I just made a recording of myself and just like saying the story, like what I was feeling. Cause I had to go back in and suck it up. Right. I had to go in there right. and maybe I didn't have to, but that's what I felt I needed to do. Right. Maybe it's self-inflicted, but it was, it's some old patterns, right? Some old habits that are that, that are hard to get away with, or to get rid of, right? When you are used to holding space for everyone else, you know. So, yeah, absolutely. And I think what you said about you know feeling like you have to is something that hits me really hard because nobody ever told me like this is what I had to do. And now as I'm like realizing, it hits me thinking like, you know, why did you do this? And I get into this place where I start to blame myself. Like you didn't have to do this, you could have done something different. And I was, you know, obviously I was young. And so um, I don't recall seeing anybody in my family cry. It was it was a pattern and a system that, you know, that they took on. And I, I had honestly no idea why that was up until 2020 when I talked to my mom about it the first time. Um, we had nobody in my family ever talked about it at all. And so for her, it was like a completely different experience because her mom, her, my dad, they all witnessed this. And so um, people used to come over to the house she was telling me and my grandma would tell the visitors about what happened. Mm -hmm. And every single time my grandma told the story, my mom felt like she had to relive it, relive it, relive it. Yeah. And so she decided that she, you know, why would she ever talk about it? She doesn't want to relive it and have to relive it. And then for me, you know, me and my siblings were away when it happened. And so when we came back and no one ever talked about it and I took that on as the thing that was going to be happening. And then to see the ways in which that's impacted me, but then also intergenerationally has now, you know, already started to become something that I was passing to my sons. Um, really, really hard to look at. And then I will find myself going into spaces where it's like, you know, blaming some version of me, whether it's six-year-old me, whether it's 12-year-old me, um, and then I'll go into a period where sometimes I'll blame my parents. Like, you know, why didn't they help this little six-year-old boy out? And then I'll go into periods where I'm blaming America. Like, you know, why is America like this? And it's like this, this, this cycle, this process of like, who's to blame? And when I stop and I'm like, this is kind of what life is. Yeah. And you learned this lesson when you needed to learn it. Um, and it's not too late. It's not too late. And I think it was really beautiful the way you described that. Like you became a storyteller or you, maybe you always were a storyteller, but as you began to let the story find its way to the surface, right? Mm -hmm. Like keeping it smashed down. And I think that the stories that are in us can come out in so many different ways, right? Like it can come out as, okay, let me, let me cover it up with substances and things to like make myself not feel it. Let me, let me act it out against others. Cause I don't want to deal with it. Let me, yeah. there's so many ways, but to be able to find, the beauty in it, in the pain, right? In the right, the, the, the beauty in the in the hardship, in the uh, 
the, the stories that help to soothe the hearts of others. Because I remember where I was when I heard your story. I was in front of the gym, getting debating whether I wanted, wanted to go in or not. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I went, I went, I parked in the parking lot, I turned the car off, and then I was still, it was still like, you know, half listening. And I was like, oh, let me listen to the rest of the story. And I was like, oh my goodness, right? And I, and I did go in. But it was more of a, after after really just processing like this man has let his pain turn into beauty, right? Into a, a story that is that is help. He he doesn't know me, but he doesn't know that I'm dealing with grief about my uncle as well. But he mm-hmm. he told a story in a way that made me reach out, made me try and try find you, and also to say well, maybe I can find because you see as I was talking about what happened at the funeral home, you saw it come up. I don't know if you noticed like. It came mm-hmm. up really heavy because I've I literally have not allowed myself to to feel it. I've I've, I've like every time it comes up, we ain't got time for that. We got things to do, and I shut it down. I shut it down, and so I, I think I just uh, so glad to be in this conversation. And I think that your your words that you found to to deal with that um, has, is doing some healing in me, which is I really appreciate. I appreciate you saying that, and. Yeah, as you're talking, I'm I'm definitely getting like the waves of energy through me and uh, just like the connection between us. And I really can't like let the moment pass about your uncle and hoping that you, you know, find the time and the space to to talk about it and to be in spaces where you're allowed to to fully let it out. Because, you know, what I what I've been learning is the longer we, you're talking about wearing the mask. The longer you put the mask on, the farther you push it down, the harder it gets when you finally are like, okay, I'm going to let it out now. You find out the ways in which it's been piling on one thing after another and all the ways in which this same thing comes back into your life because you've never let it out. Um, And to not let things go for, I let it go for 30 years, um, 29 years to the day of my uncle's um, killing was when I finally talked to my mom. Um, and to see the ways in which it impacted young Devin, uh, teenage Devin, adult Devin, then my kids and things like that. Like I would implore and really encourage everybody to, you know, take time um, when you when you have it to be able to really feel the grief and to really um, allow yourself to express it at some point when you're ready. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I mean, I mean, we're in a wild time, right? Like we're in, I mean, just so we can locate everybody in the time and space, we're in January of 2022. This, this, this Omicron variant is like running wild in our schools and our communities. Um, there are hundreds of thousands of people who have lost people, right? And how many people are dealing with it in healthy ways? I mean, I, Oftentimes, and definitely the people who I see fighting against whatever they want to fight against, it's like, have you not lost anybody? Have you not mm. felt the pain of like, I mean, I think the people have found a way of turning whatever they feel into anger and frustration and whatever. And um, I mean, it's just, as I think about my own, I mean, this my, my uncle passed in 2019, which was prior. Like mm-hmm. I'm still like two years ago. We're about to hit three years, right? Like I'm still like not letting, haven't let myself really fully deal with it. And how many people walk around and and luckily I deal with emotions in a lot of ways. I I, I face them, 
Some of them I'm, I'm still working yeah. on facing, but how many people don't even face them? And they think that they're operating as fully whole, but they're operating really challenged, you know? So, yeah, man. So I just wanted to thank you for that. And uh, I think one of the things I've come to understand in, in this own work is around, you know, when I give myself an opportunity to like check in and let myself mm -hmm. feel more and see more. I think, you know, I go on stage and I talk to students a lot about being able to take off their masks. And because I have so many masks, I'm always taking some off. But there's the ones I keep, you know, I, I keep I keep well crafted and held on to, you know? Absolutely. And I think uh, what I just did with you earlier, I think is one of the things, it's interestingly enough, like the connection between us, like one of my masks is helping people. Legit is like, it's so much easier for me to flip this around, to, to empathize with you, to tell you to feel, um, to really be, focusing on helping, like you were talking about with your mom and your, your grandma, the, the idea of that being the thing. And, and almost to the point of, and I think I've, I've been like realizing this more and more, the idea of like, oh, I want to be, I want to be a hero. I want to be a savior. Cause then it, 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 it takes me away from having to feel the thing that I'm still feeling. And even the, the stuff that you're talking about when it resonates with me, it's like, it's actually resonating with a hurt in me. Um, and if I go straight to how can I help? Um, sometimes it doesn't necessarily make space for the fact that I'm actually hurting. So, mm. well, man, thank you. Well, let's 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 do it. I mean, and I think this is a space for both of us. So let's uh, let's do the mask. All right. And uh, I think hopefully, as it uh, as it comes up, like I'm here for you, and I don't and whatever I can do to support this space, you know that I'm just I'm holding space for you right here. Yeah. yeah thank you. So the guest always decides who goes first. So for those who haven't made a mask out there, you know, we have the Million Mask Movement. You can make your own mask at 100kmasks.com. Um, and yours and that mask will be anonymous. But uh, Devin and I are going to share ours here together with each other. And um, and thank you for being willing to do this. So you can decide who goes first. Either you go first or I go first. Yeah, I think I'll go first. Okay. I if I... If I uh... If I were to let you go first, then I'll probably start judging myself. Like, ah, uh, nah, this is not good. That's not good. I mean, I'm probably going to do that anyway, but um, <laughs> it'll be less if I go first, I think. All right, right on. And you decide how you want to you go front, and then I go front, or you want to go front back, and then I go front back. You, however you decide to do it, oh, you let me yeah. know. Yeah. That sounds cool. Okay. Hmm. That sounds cool. Uh, yeah, let me go front back, and then have you go front back. Okay. Um. So here's my front. It says uh, informed, unshakable, confident. And I think as I was like deciding what to put on the front, it was really difficult because I, like you said, uh, there's a ton of masks and I could have put, I think I could have put like 50 things here that I wear uh, on my face, on my body, on the outside. Um, that don't necessarily match up with what's happening on the inside. And so I, I kind of tried to think of the ones that were like most presently relevant things that I've just been experiencing like today yeah. and last night. Um, I think the informed one is, is something that always comes up, the idea of like a certain level of intelligence, 
around the things that I know. And anytime something comes up that I don't know, like how can I get through this period without letting anybody know that I don't know? Um, and how embarrassed I feel when it's something that I know. Actually, one of my biggest fears, most the silliest fear ever, but one of my biggest fears is like randomly being in LA and getting caught by a like like Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Jimmy Fallon, one of those guys who's on the street who asked the people like just those really basic questions that everybody should know. And I would just like not know it and be like, this guy is the dumbest person ever. And that's like going through my head. And so wanting to stay informed and, and, and show like I know things. Um, the unshakable one is a pretty obvious one for me. Most of my life, uh, I've been, I'm the youngest in my family. Um, and the way that I perceived my worth was in the sense of like peace, the peace and the joy that I brought. I would always be the one who's trying to like mediate. If my brother and my sister were arguing, I try and find a way that's like, how can I get them back to neutral? Mm. Um, if anything was happening in my house, I just tried to be the one that was strong and, 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 and that brought joy back. And um, it was it was just something that still to this day, I think, I get a lot of my my worth from what I think mm -hmm. is is my worthiness, um, and then confidence. You know, being confident is what allows me to go through this world and to interact with other people to make it feel like I'm charismatic. Which I, I you know I think I am charismatic, but to really have this more so persona of like I can go into any space and this is a part of who I am. Yeah. Um, and I think the part of the reason I wanted to do front back is so that I could uh share how they like counteract of sorts and so on the back i actually put um and i put little descriptions i i, I kind of couldn't just leave it as the word so it's kind of hard no, to see no i can see it's good um but the three that i put are overwhelmed tender mm. and then i put confident again nice. and i i think the reason for me the confidence like ended up being on both sides was mm. just the ways that like i'm internally confident and it's like completely different than the confidence that I sometimes like show to people. Like when I'm confident on the inside, it's like, oh, I know who I am. Yeah. Like I know that I'm worthy. I know that I'm valuable, that I don't have to earn anything. Um, there's just like this real palpable feeling of like me being like a, a representation of the universe. Ooh. Um, Ooh. And I don't often share that with people because I think when I, for me, it feels like so spiritual. But if I feel like if I tell someone else, then it becomes like, oh, this guy thinks he's all that in my head. Um, mm. um, the tenderness, obviously, you know, as, as a man uh, in our society, feeling like I've got a, I have a big heart and I'm really highly sensitive, um, can be tipped off by other people's emotions, by seemingly the smallest thing to anybody else. And it's the biggest thing to me and to to have that be one of my characteristics as a male in America has always been something that's challenging to show, but it is really central to who I am. And then feeling the overwhelmed feeling um, really comes back around to the idea of, you know, how, how much I'm hurting on, on a daily basis um, and deeply impacted by the state of our world, the state of my own home, the, my relationships, my relationships that I'm in that, um, that are hard. And I say a lot uh, that I'm fine. And, and the truth is that I'm, I'm not as fine as I make it out to be. So that was my front and back, the masks. Oh, man, brother. Thank you. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the thank you for the way you described it and the beauty. And uh, I resonate with so many of those pieces. And um, oh man, I'm I'm yeah. I, I'm, I'm gonna start on the front, and I think uh, the part of my like I, I think I'm really deep down really sensitive too. And I think I I'm reading I was reading this book called um, I don't think it's close by. It didn't start with you, and how they like, talk about how childhood trauma uh, starts kind of before we were born, and some of, some of the things happen before we're born, and as we grow into them and and around them, how they show up. And like you know, my father died before I was born, three months, and. What, what the way the book describes it is like I was uh, swimming in sadness. Mm. I was swimming in a pool of sadness for months, and I show up on a planet in a where in a community in a community in a in a body in a in a, in a an identity that doesn't let you show your feelings. You're not allowed to feel. Definitely mm. not no sensitive feelings. Mm. And so I always had to like try and pretend like those weren't real and try and hide them to tuck them away to mm-hmm. pretend like they w- were not really happening. And so, um, yeah, so I feel, I feel that. And, um, let me, uh, and I, and I really appreciated what you said earlier when you said, um, how to be in this space and be a person who is giving and who's caring for others and how to also be able to leave room for yourself. And I think my, that is so present for me and in this work, um, and I appreciated you for just voicing that. So I'm going to share the front of mine. Um, let's see if I can get it to focus. It's been having some focusing issues lately. All right, let's see. So it says uh, dedicated, <laughs> sensitive. I mean, oh, this is the, the this is the this is the this is the back. This is the front. Dedicated, serious, caring. I'm trying to read backwards. Dedicated, serious, and caring. <sighs> and mm-hmm. I'm going to just focus on the dedicated one is always usually about work, but, and also dedicated to like f- playing my role, playing my role as a big brother, as a sibling, as a son, as a community worker, as a mentor. Um, and sometimes so dedicated to the well being of others, even sometimes even at the detriment of myself, which is mm. sometimes interesting, right? When sometimes I don't even notice I'm not doing it, right? Like I'm on my way to the gym, I get a call from somebody who needs something. Like I was on my way to take care of some of my personal stuff, and then all of a sudden I'm like, "Oh no!" And not that I'm not willing to do that for anybody, but I I default toward, okay, what I need to go do, and and at the sacrifice, I almost never say, "Oh, actually, I'm at the gym. I'm about to." I usually am like, "Okay, how can I help?" Right, and then and that's not. I'm not upset up that I'm a caring person like that, but I think sometimes. Uh, I need to like make sure that I'm being caring for for me too, mm-hmm. right? I think it's I never put my mask on first. I never put my my I never put my mask. On. I'm, I'm the prime person. Like, oh, I don't need my mask. Let me help everybody else get their mask on, and then I'll put mine on. Like, that's that's how I think, and I I think I've been making a decision this year to like as much as I charge my my phone because mm. <laughs> I I keep this thing charged, but I don't do the same thing for my own my own self. Like wow. I'll be I'll be running on E. I'll be in red. I can see red. I'm like, eh, yeah, I'll be okay. I'll be okay. My, uh, let me see some red on my phone. Let me see the battery on red. Right. I'm borrowing, buying. I'm like, stop at the gas station. I'm like, I gotta charge this thing. And I'm like, why don't I do that for myself? Why would I notice mm-hmm. that? 
why would I notice myself on E that I keep going and I, without even thinking about finding a way to charge myself? And so 2022 is me making some hard decisions and they're hard. I mean, I wish it was easy. I mean, for some people it's really easy, but and maybe it's not easy, but for me, it's, it's a conscious, I have to make a really conscious decision about it. So that's the front. Um, mm. And the back. Yeah. Um, okay, here, here are three. I'm going to try and describe them. Fear, rage, and sadness. And I think the one that's standing out the most today, I mean, there's lots of fear. Um, fear of trying to write this book and fear of like, fear of like sending that post out the, for my, the po- last episode of the podcast and fear of like, like, who are you? Who are you, right? Like deep down, when you the way you described it, it was really beautiful. Like inside, I think I have something to say. <laughs> like mm-hmm. inside, I think I'm intelligent. I, I pay attention. I, I read. I, I get so irritated at these public figures, and I want to jump on freaking Twitter and say something intellectually powerful and freaking. And then I go in there. I'm like, nah. I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> then I, I talk myself out of it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'll write it. And I'm like, no, I'm not going to send it. And I, I, I oh, fear, fear. Like, mm. But I think the rage is one that comes up a lot that I feel. And, and I think the rage is because so many things that I, I let in my life just go. I let just slip. And I let, I just... I've been reading. I've been reading this book um, called "the The Dark Side of the Light Chasers." Mm. <laughs> the Dark Side of the Light Chasers. In, in, in the book, um, I forgot her name right now. It's not. It's not coming to my mind. But she says this idea that you know when you the, the shadow that we have are things that we created when we were little to protect ourselves. Like it's the way we we were able to exist in the world to keep things safe around us, and how when we become older, those things happen. So, like. Like I, I, in my house, you can't be upset. Mm. My, my, my mom didn't tolerate that. Who you who you think you who you think you talking who you think you talking to like that? Who you think you mad at? Yeah, fix your face. Like it was always a corrective because I mean, in, I was told I was the man of the house, but I was not. I was not allowed to be a man in the house. You know mm. what I'm saying? Like it was a, it was a title given to me, but there was no room for my rage as a young man growing up. So I always had to always turn everything into a smile you, you better fix your face i think that's like her favorite phrase but fix your face right don't know pouting you know like right? so so all the stuff that i'm dealing with i think i always had to like oh eh, i guess i'm not really feeling what i'm feeling right mm. and i'm not feeling what i'm feeling i'm not feeling upset sad angry whatever and so everything turned into had to be a pleasant feeling and it not and it wasn't real so the rage begins to boil and, and build and and i, and I think i don't and luckily, I'm on, a, I'm on a team of men, so I get a you know every week I get a space to go and at least process some of it, you know. And I don't have to like, I mean, before I had the team of men, I didn't never dealt with it. So, and then um, yeah, and I think that's real sadness, just about the same thing about our world and about how people are willing to, yeah, how how evil and hate is so running wild, and and I don't um. I don't get it sometimes. I mean, I, 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 it exists, right? There's yeah. good and there's bad, but it makes me sad. So I think the sadness sometimes I just kind of try and uh, be positive, to keep positive and keep focused on the good. And hopefully, you know, I think Bob Marley said, uh, 
he he got shot right before a concert and he was they were like why are you going to go to this concert what are you doing he's like well um the bad people are not taking a day off <laughs> he's mm-hmm. like so I, I have to keep going like you can't you know it's almost like the people who did this to me the people who are being doing bad in the world they're not taking a rest and uh and sometimes right. sometimes i just think about that and um, not 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 saying we don't need a rest. I think rest is important too, right? But ultimately, just knowing sometimes the hard work is uh, sometimes hard to describe to people who may not get it. You know, so that's the back. Yeah. That's the front. Yeah. And that's the back. Yeah, no, I love that. And I think the the fear and the sadness connect as you were talking at the end because the idea of like we definitely deserve rest, but the rest shouldn't be out of fear. You know, if 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 he's like, oh, those people shot me. Um, let me let me take the day because I don't want to go back out there and have this happen again. It's different than like I need a day off to yeah. recharge. Like my phone's at empty. Let me recharge it. Is is different than like, oh, I don't want to have this happen again. Like I, I maybe I shouldn't be out there. And we all know, you know, being out there and and making the music that touches the people's hearts. That's right. Was all about what he was. That's right. Um, That's right. So. Definitely got to get back out there. I love that. Man, revolution song, right? Can I, I think can I, I ask real quick? Yeah. Uh, I apologize, but I heard you talking about the book that you're writing. I'm writing a book myself. So I was curious, what, what what's the book you're writing about? Oh, 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 oh man. Well, um, I don't know if I can claim that I'm writing it. I can claim that I keep talking about writing it. Oh, you're but... writing it. <laughs> you're writing it. Yeah, no, you are. <laughs> Well, I think I'm, I'm glad to hear that because I, I think that that gives us a really powerful reason to reconnect. I think the first one is really a, a book of masks. Um, we've collected in this work uh, over 60,000 masks from more than 40 countries. We, we have a goal of collecting a million, right? So, I, I mean, that's our, our big push this year. But I think what I've learned in this work around masks is that um, the reason I, I it comes so easy to me to talk about them is because I got mine. And I think... When I see and I go to schools and students are sharing their mask, uh, most adults are more afraid of it than the kids, right? And I think when I was young, I wish somebody had asked me what was going on behind my good grades and my big smile and my big presence and being an athlete and, you know, but no one ever asked. So I just kept mm-hmm. it to myself and home home wasn't fun, you know? So I stayed at school as late as I could and went there as early as possible to just not be home. And uh, and so when I talk to young people and I say, I say, hey, no, I'm not here to judge you. I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what it's like to be you. You don't know what it's like to be me. But imagine we're probably all the same in so many kind of ways, but we don't, but we think that we not because what we look at on the outside, you know? So yeah, that's the first book I think is going to be about my journey of like creating this movement, but also what I see when I see a mask, whether it's, whether it's blank or the, somebody would scratch something out I feel it, right? I, and so I think that's the first one. And the second one is just a journey from, you know, being an engineer, wanting to be rich, and then deciding to go become a teacher, an educator. Like, like what? Why would you? That's that's. If you want to be rich, you do not become a teacher. <laughs> what are right. you doing? But right. I think rich comes in so many different ways, you know. And so I think that's the that's the more of the memoir story of like this journey of following your heart, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I'm going through that right now. Um, and I don't know if you remember, but I, you know, I studied engineering, been working at the patent office for 10 and a half years. Before that, I was working at Northrop Grumman, the defense contractor. And so 
engineering almost became it's almost a connection to the mass like the idea of like the engineering was who i was um and the value not only the dollar value of my salary but also the value of being an engineer was something that was uh something i held on to pretty tightly and so this last year i left my job after 10 and a half years went to go work at the moth a nonprofit organization about storytelling um and having to take basically cut my salary by 60% um, to go work in something that feels deeply connected to my heart and feels like I'm showing up in the world in such a bigger way, but then to have like it not represented on the paycheck and what that means for me as a, as a husband, as a father, as a man in my house, uh, how hard that was to do. And, uh, but at the same time, knowing that it was like this, this is the choice. This is, um, there's value in it that's it's not identified in the ways that our, our culture identifies it but or at least not yet um i imagine that there you know there, there's money coming that that i i just haven't seen quite yet in my pocket so oh man okay so okay. so when i left engineering to become a teacher my salary dropped by 60 percent like I, wow. I literally when you said that number i was like what, what just happened here? What just? And I think the man, it, it was one of those moves that, and and I, and I think, like when you tell somebody you're an engineer, there's a certain look, there's a certain feel, there's a certain like what, a shock yes. that it helps people and it feels good. That that dopamine hit is a do, is a hit. I can I know the feeling because I remember as soon as I changed and I would tell people oh, I'm a teacher, it almost looked like they like oh. So, so 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 noble of you, little, little pat pat. Oh, that must be that must be awesome. You're like, you're why right? are you doing that to me? Yeah, why are you? Oh doing that? man! And sometimes yeah. I would just, I had to just play with it. I'd be like, yeah, I'm an engineer, uh, and then they'd be like, and I work I work at a school, and then and then and then you get a little bit of interesting because they're trying to like figure out how to translate that to the reality world but it was that it was that feeling like you like oh this is i know what i'm feeling i know what i'm missing in this my heart feels full in the work i get to do but i know what oh man wow yeah. yes and i yes. think that the i imagine for you same as as with me the the flip now of for me when i announce what i do for myself yeah i get excited um but there's not necessarily the same excitement from the other end. Um, right. And before, when I t- said what I did, especially at, at the tail end, like I was miserable at the end. So like for me, even if I say engineer, I work at the patent office, I you know, work for the government, any of the things like yeah. it, it's like a drain for me. Um, and so to have that flip, uh, the people on the outside no longer having that like, oh, really? And then me on the inside now having that. <laughs> <laughs> that feeling of like, yes, really. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh man, man. Well, for, man, thank you. And I, and I, I, what I, what I, you know, who knows where this is going to go next? Will you tell me about your book? Like, what is your book about? Like, would you be willing to share that? Yeah, no, I absolutely would be willing to share. Um, and it's it's really the story of learning this process of feeling for me. It's a currently a book titled "Human Like You." Um, and I think a lot of people hear like human like you and they, they know about my uncle's story and they immediately attach it to like 
oh, he's like looking to be human like white people. Like the somehow the you immediately became like a white person. Mm. Um, and for me as a, as a young kid, it really was. Like I, after my uncle was killed, uh, my parents moved us to this town where I grew up, um, which was predominantly white. And that was the first time I learned that I was black, like before I had known that I was brown. But going to this school, having the people be afraid of me, even in little games and how surprising that was for me. Uh, yeah. There really was this question of like, wait, like, aren't I human like you? Like, and so it was like this whole movement from like, you know, my uncle dying and the silence that came around that and the ways in which I carried that with me and the confusion that I had as a little kid, then the anger that I had as a teenager getting to a place where it hit me that like, oh, I've been doing this to myself. I've been doing this to my sons. I've been doing this to everybody in my family that I love this silence can no longer live and getting to a place of being able to come out of the silence. So it really is uh, being able to speak about the pains that I had instead of human like you, as it relates to black and white people, it's really me saying like, uh, I was this way that I was, you know, personifying being strong, the way that I was personifying, uh, uh, even being a hero, like I'm none of those things. Like I'm human and I'm hurting. Just like, you know, I knew my mom was hurting. I knew other people are hurting, but they just don't talk about it. And so yeah. the human like you isn't, isn't so much about race as much as it is about like uh, the hurt that we feel inside and being able to acknowledge that and what happens when you acknowledge it, being able to, instead of carrying those hurts with you everywhere you go, finding a little bit of beauty within the pain like you talked about earlier. Oh man, that's exciting. That's exciting, man. I'm I'm excited for you. I'm excited for you. Um, like, just, uh, like I'm I'm in the very early stages. I mean, I've, re- I've like I've told a lot of stories that I've like recorded. But what? Where are you at in the process? Are you like uh, have an editor right now? Or are you just doing a lot of still writing? Like, what is your process? Cause I'm I'm still trying to figure out a process, but I'm you know I'm getting a little bit better about just stopping. I need to give myself some time today to write. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, the process has been, yeah, it's been so surprising, I'll say, because um, I started telling the stories um, on the stage after I had like this experience I had been trying to write, but I, it really wasn't working for me. Like I couldn't find my authentic voice. And I decided to like write this piece that had, to me, it had no value. It was just like, oh, let me get this piece out and wrote it. 30 minutes to my, on the way to my son's jujitsu, 30 minutes on the way back, just in the notes of my phone. Um, and when I got home, I put it in my computer. I ended up sending it out. This piece got picked up by a publication right away. And then it got picked up by the Washington Post. And it was like a reminder for me about what it means to be authentic and just to, to tell it. Mm. And so I got on the stage to start telling stories live to try and like find my authentic voice. Yeah. And I had no idea no plan to write a book at the time. I wasn't even interested in talking about race, wasn't t- interested in talking about my uncle. And as I got on the stage, as soon as I didn't have any notes to go off of, the truth started to come out uh, mm. about the hurt that I was feeling, about um, you know my grandma's passing, about these neighborhoods that I had always been in, never feeling like I belonged, never feel like I had any value. Um, and slowly, as I started telling more and more of the stories and started to see this pattern, and it became like, okay, this is a book. Like, I, I just got to do it. I just have to admit it. And from end of 2019, I'd say I started writing like every night with a friend. And then the pandemic hit. And I, at first I was like, oh, this is going to be terrible. 
it actually worked out really well because it, it gave me an excuse to be inside uh, every single day we wrote together. It was my expression and my release during this period that was really heavy. Um, nice. I would not have survived without having some type of outlet mm. and um, uh, finished a rough draft of the book at the end of 2020. Nice. Um, I had some more trauma that, that came. I, my therapist actually ended up passing away from COVID, um, which was really hard. But then at the beginning of 2021, I uh, found my agent. And it was <laughs> this moment of like how much hurt and how much joy can you feel almost at the same time and the ways in which that they live together. And yeah. um, from that point, I, I've been going back and forth with my agent, continuing to work on edits and revisions for the book and the, and the proposal. Um, feel like I'm getting close uh, to start to, to be able to go out and submission to editors. And so okay. I'm excited for this, this next period and, and, and being able to look at what the book was at the beginning and to look at it now and seeing how much has really grown around it and how much my voice has grown and the truths that I find. I think that truth that I told you about, like being a hero was something that I held for almost the entire first year of writing the book. The idea of like, this is a message for my people, for anybody who's hurting, yeah. it's going to teach them how to not hurt anymore. Mm. And it's coming around to the truth that the book is a memoir. And yeah. while yeah. it may help other people, and I'm certain that it will, what it truly is about is me admitting that I'm hurting and giving myself permission to mm. tell people that and the connections that came as a result, not of me being a hero, but of me being just like the most human, flawed creature um, that ever lived really. Um, and, and the connection that I had with my mom at the very end, near the end of the book, um, uh, reached out to her after having this moment with my sons and first time we ever had this deep conversation. We talked for three and a half hours. Uh, first time I heard about my uncle's life. First time I, I heard about the actual incident of his death. First time I seen my mom cry in my entire life. Um, really powerful moment. And that, that all came, you know, not from me being a hero, not from me being fine, yeah. but me just being honest about how not fine I am. I'm, I'm not, I'm not in a good place. Um, and as a result of admitting I was in a good, was not in a good place, it actually led me to like some deep connections that I had been missing. Mm. Oh man. Okay. So let me just tell you first that I think you are a hero. And I want you to know that um, in the work that we've doing doing around this these masks, we have been creating. We created this adventure. <laughs> First of all, thank you for the stories. Uh, the reason I want to tell you that you're a hero is, I think all of us have a superpower in us that we sometimes either acknowledge or not, but we probably have had glimpses of it. And what we want to help people in the world realize is that you finding your voice is stepping into this, this, this superpower that was in you. It was waiting, maybe it was waiting mm -hmm. dormant. Maybe it was tapping on your shoulder. Maybe it was like kicking you, right? But it was, it was there. And, and I think for all the people who may reach out to you, there's probably hundreds who may never have the courage or maybe just don't need to reach out to you, but you're going to, you're going to heal them. Mm -hmm. Your, your words are going to help. And whether that you consider that your, your superpower or not, but I just know your words sitting in the car that day, like they they were healing for me. Mm. And so uh, 
So I whether you call yourself that. a hero or not, just know that sometimes the heroes among us are not the ones wearing capes, right? Right, but, right. But the ones that just give us a, a positive message when we need it, when we didn't even know we were looking for it. I wasn't looking for, mm. I wasn't looking for a transformational story that night. I was trying to talk myself out of going to the gym. <laughs> and right. I was like, oh, let me listen to the let me listen to the radio. And I clicked it on and then boom, like and it was a clear message that your work is not done, Ashanti. Your work is not done. Mm. And uh so thank you for that. So I just want to tell you that. Yeah, no, I I appreciate that heavy. Um and I, I think what you're saying is something that I, I also need to give myself permission to like take hold of. Um it's kind of like the confidence thing that I was talking about. I think the hero aspect, uh, there's a certain hero aspect that I wanted to be a hero initially that was like an outward facing, like, oh, now you get worth because you're helping all these people. Look at all these people you're helping. Yay, give yourself a pat on the back, um, which is that outward confidence that I had. And then if you talk about the confidence, I don't show many people. Mm-hmm. It is like that inner hero of sorts. Like, And I actually have a, a tattooed on my arm because I didn't want to ever forget. I'll mm-hmm. show you. But it's a heart. Um, that's like shining out and it says on it, um, it's a quote from uh, NDRE that I am not your expectations. I'm the soul that lives within. Mm. Um, and it's just for me, the constant reminder of how much of a person that is, that shows an open heart. That is like my thing, Mm. like not to close up and not to be silent, but to just like give all of my heart to the world and to shine out like a light so that other people can like, you know, feel the radiance and then also connect to their own radiance as you said like we're all heroes and so i think there is like the the, an inner hero that isn't looking for accolades but that feels like feels like a a light i think i I was a um one of my favorite quotes kanye a kanye line like (laughs) he has like what does he say um i'm a star how could i not shine Mm. um and it's like yeah we're all pieces of the universe and we're meant to like shine and so I appreciate you um, pointing out that distinction of of the heroes we want to be on the outside that is like, let me get my cape on. Let me go out here and say some people and the heroes actually that we are on the inside. Appreciate oh, that. Oh, man. Well, man, listen, I am. We could, I have a feeling that we're, this is not our last conversation. Uh, but I, I want to thank you for being a part of this, this conversation, this mask and this taking off the mask. And listen, I want... Um, if there's ways you want people to, if they you want people to follow you or keep track of of you, and when the book comes out, if you, what are the ways you want people to know where they can find you? Um, you know, where can they hear your your talk? I mean, maybe you can tell us and tell them that. I will put a link to all this in the bio, but you could tell them how they can stay in touch with you. And uh, I just, I'm really just thankful for this time with you. Oh yeah, I'm so thankful for this time. This has been enriching, especially here on a Friday at the end of the week. Uh, I feel like it's just sending me into the weekend with all types of energy and vibes. Um, if people are interested in in finding out more, um, they can go to my website. It's my first name, Devin uh, Sandiford, last name, devinsandiford.com. And it's Devin with an A, D-E-V-A-N, and Sandiford, S-A-N-D-I-F-O-R-D. Um, just go to my website. The place I think where people will be most enriched is probably on my newsletter. It's the place where I can at this point, I think, be the most honest talking about the things that, uh, you know, that I kind of hide from the rest of the world and still to this day have a mask about, even when I stand on the stage, 
there's times where I look out into the audience and I see people's face and I see the ways in which that like my words are like, oh, he, it looks like he's hurting and I'll pull back a bit. And so now um, I think my newsletter is going to be this, this next this next space where I can be completely honest. And honestly, I'm, I'm maybe at this moment running from the masks because um, I don't want to wear them anymore, but they show up everywhere I go to try and come back in. So my website, devinsandefor.com. Um, if people want to hear my storytelling, they can go to themoth.org, type in Devin Sandiford. I got a few stories there on the radio hour and the podcast. And then I have uh, videos on the website as well from telling stories. So, man, well, we're gonna we're gonna be connecting. We're gonna be. I, I, I already know. I already know. I, I already. This is this happened for a reason, and it happened quickly for a reason. And I appreciate you. Happy New Year to you, brother. Tell those boys hello uh, from a, from a, from across the country in California. And um, I look forward to our next connection. Oh yeah, man! I cannot wait. Thank you so much for having me on. Hey, folks, if you want to make a mask, you can go do that anonymously at 100kmasks.com. You don't need to share it, but if you feel inspired, share it with somebody in your life. Imagine there's somebody in your life who would be willing to get to know you a little bit deeper than what you normally let people see. And maybe they'll be willing to make a mask as well. Thank you for being a part of our show today. Thank you for listening. We'll see you all soon. Taking Off The Mask podcast is produced by Ryan Louie. Editing, videography is also by Ryan Louie. Graphics by Kelly Wong. And a special thanks to the team at Ever Forward, Vanessa Cortez and Kevin Romero. And I'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast. As we hit this one-year anniversary, we hope that everyone who's been a part knows that they're a part of the Taking Off The Mask experience. And we look forward to you being a part of it as well. If you liked what you heard today, please like, subscribe, and share. And we look forward to us continuing to offer conversations that matter. Take care. See you soon.